So one plane is the science and the expertise uh, behind whatever is being developed in that space. And here I'm talking mostly about the uh, artificial intelligence-powered image analysis, artificial intelligence-powered reporting. Uh, you need to have a subject matter expert. So a pathologist is your subject matter expert and the user at the same time. So for the science aspect, for the validity of those solutions, you need to have this, those experts involved. Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strink. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. Digital pathology is really the crossover of the fields of pathology and computer science. And each of those fields has its own language, if you will. So if you work in one of those fields, how do you learn the language of the other? Well, today's guests might be able to help. I'm talking with Dr. Alexandra Zurov. We're going to talk about some of the resources that she's created, both for pathologists and for computer scientists, with the aim of advancing digital pathology, as well as her thoughts on what might be coming next in the field. All right, here's Dr. Alexandra Zurov. Welcome back to the podcast. This is your second time, and I'm excited to have you back on. It is. Thanks so much for inviting me for the second time you know it's an honor to be here twice do you do you do you invite a lot of people uh, more than once not a lot i've had i've had a few actually i've had a couple i think three Me times too. now two people i had three times i guess it it just kind of depends yeah but then like they really have to have mm -hmm. something cool to say uh, or they have like a topic that cannot be covered in one podcast. So that's why I'm super honored to be here the second time. It means I either have something interesting to say or the topic is right. interesting enough. So either way, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're always doing something new. So it's, it's fun to uh, have you back and to kind of catch that's up. True. And I remember, I think the last time you were, you were promoting your digital pathology crash course. Dude. So let's kind of talk about what you've been doing in the last kind of two years. Oh, yeah. Since that a lot time. has happened. I actually, the crash course was uh, was a fantastic way to get started in digital pathology for my community. Um, the digital pathology trailblazers. These are my people who hang out at the digital pathology place, my website. And uh, I've been preparing a lot of stuff for them. I recently retired the crash course uh, and I have digital pathology starter kit in that place but i also developed other courses i have a full online course for those who are starting in the digital pathology space um, especially in the tissue image analysis space this is a course um, and we can talk later in details but just to give a quick overview what has happened. A lot has happened on social media. A lot has happened on uh, YouTube um, video. So I decided to go very broad on digital pathology content because I want to reach as many people as possible. Uh, I mean, the digital pathology is not a matter of uh, whether we're doing it. We're doing it. The question is how. Uh, and I want to give people a lot of information on the how uh, so that they can take it and go to their places, to their institutions, you know, even to their microscope. I promote like all aspects of digital pathology. Um, and 
this translates into different informational content. Um, a lot of uh, micro video content on social media. The podcast is still there. Blog posts. Uh, I have uh, developed several partnerships with the industry partners, with the digital pathology vendors uh, to get their solutions to the right people. So yeah, it has been growing and I'm still super excited about it. Do you think you're doing more on YouTube than with the, the podcast and the blog lately? Actually, I kind of – then the blog, yes. Then the podcast, not, because I okay. decided to uh, do video podcasts now. So I still have them um, on audio. So they are, they are like – I try to publish the content everywhere I can. And it kind of developed into an ecosystem. So the content on YouTube is often accompanied by a blog or show notes of the podcast. If it's a podcast, then a micro content out of this um, this piece of content is going on social media. So it kind of now has a lot of different dependencies. <laughs> so it's like... I don't know. I don't even uh, know how to say which is the main avenue. It became a network of avenues. I guess a lot of that stuff is pretty related. So it's it's almost these days, especially, it's, it's kind of easier to share that content from uh, platform to platform mm -hmm. than I think it's ever been. Yeah. So my main community is still uh, those people who get emails from me um, and they get different other things that I uh, don't show on social media. But social media is a fantastic way to go broad and reach even more people. So that's why I decided to invest time and energy to do that too. I was thinking about like when I was making the, the questions for this episode and in the time between me, the last time we talked here and now, do you think digital pathology, like the acceptance of of digital pathology has progressed the way maybe you thought it was or what do you, what do you think about that kind of progression in the last couple of years i'm i'm at the same time at both extremes i'm super happy with the advancements that has been made and i'm super frustrated why is it not all across the board so i still see it as a puzzle and the single advancements, the single validations of systems, acceptances, uh, institutions going digital are like pieces of the puzzle. Uh, and I'm like super excited and super grateful about those pieces. But then I'm like, why is the piece next to this one not ready yet? It's like such a low hanging fruit, but it's not there yet. So it excites me so much and it frustrates me so much at the same time. Uh, but that's, you know, my personal uh, perception of this. And obviously, I'm at the trying to trailblaze. I'm at the forefront of digital pathology, embracing it as much as I can. So um, this is just through my eyes. But objectively, as a scientist, and as somebody who uh, is an expert in this field, I see advancements, and I'm very happy about that. So one thing that um, I am very I cannot say proud. I cannot be really proud of the FDA, but I am proud of the FDA <laughs> because uh, there are guidelines for non-clinical uh, pathology uh, in terms of how to use whole slide images for non-clinical pathology mm -hmm. in the good laboratory practice compliant environment. 
So we now have, it's still a draft guidelines. Um, so uh, comments uh, have been submitted already, but there is an official guidance by a regulatory body saying, yes, you can use it. So there's no like, oh, can you use it? Should we use it or not? They say yes. And this is how to use it. And there are, I don't know how many questions, 10 questions. I have a separate video uh, on that one. So if we want to link to that, we can do that too. But there is a guidance telling yeah. the uh, institutions doing digital pathology in the preclinical space, which is um, something close to my daily job. I'm a veterinary pathologist um, doing preclinical pathology for drug development. So that's out there. So you can basically, uh, that's super powerful, even though it's like a, when I was reading it, it's to me, somebody who's already working in the space, it's common sense. Yeah, this is how you should do it. This is how you should do it in compliance with GLP. But there is a document that you can take out and tell people this is how to do it. Think of those questions, those points. So I'm super happy about that. So one thing uh, I'm super happy about, I was part of as well. Uh, this is at the institution I work for, Charles River Laboratories. Last year, we validated a, a digital pathology primary uh, slide evaluation system for preclinical pathology. And uh, since then, since last year, since the summer, I have not touched a glass slide other than maybe taking pictures from my own slide collection for social media. I am doing my evaluations entirely on digital slides. And for me personally, this is like a dream control. So super happy about that. Yeah. Wow. That, that is, that's exciting. That it, It's kind of like you've been working for this or towards this for a while. And now, now, now it's kind of here for you. That's great. Yeah. It's like, it's so funny because I am so fortunate that I can actually live what I'm talking about. Uh, and, you know, I would be talking about it even if I stopped reading slides, because I think this is super important to advance healthcare, to speed up drug development, to give access uh, to pathologists and to pathology expertise in all the areas of pathology. So, you know, even if I like never see a pathology slide ever again, I'm going to keep talking about it and keep promoting it. But it's this thing that I can work in this space puts me in a super unique position I am very grateful for that I can basically live what I preach, do what I'm talking about, and in a way where I can advise people not to do the same mistakes uh, I do or to use approaches that uh, are more efficient than maybe something I was doing at the beginning. So, yeah, very excited happy on a personal level and on the industry level and at the same time always frustrated that it's not farther than it should be <laughs> that it could be yeah i can understand that that makes sense now you're very involved you mentioned you know you have these partnerships with some uh companies in industry and some other things and, and you're very involved in like developing new technologies and things like that. And I'm curious because we did, I think we touched on this the last time you were here, like how important do you think it is that pathologists get involved in whether it's new technologies for digital pathology or just like, you know, computer systems and thing and things like that. What, what's your opinion on that? Super important, super important on uh -huh. several planes. 
So one plane is the science and the expertise uh, behind whatever is being developed in that space. And here I'm talking mostly about the uh, artificial intelligence-powered image analysis, artificial intelligence-powered reporting. Uh, you need to have a subject matter expert. So a pathologist is your subject matter expert and the user at the same time. So for the science aspect, for the uh, validity of those solutions, you need to have this, those experts involved. Another thing, they are also the users. So from the vendor perspective, you need to engage them early because if you come to them, and that is not digital pathology specific, it is any you know software specific, any technology specific. If you come up uh, with something you invented to the user without involving them, especially to a user that is that niche, that specific, and had, has that specific workflow. And as a pathologist, and here you cannot even say as a pathologist, preclinical pathologists, diagnostic pathologists, or different pathologists. So if you don't involve them in your software or in your tool development, they're going to be like, you're going to be annoyed that it's not tailored to them and they will not trust you. So from the business and industry perspective, uh, involvement of pathologists early, like at the beginning, like super very early, is crucial. And then another point why it's important to involve them, um, they are the users, they're not necessarily always the buyers or the decision makers, but uh, they heavily influence the decision-making on software that they're going to be using. So this is also another aspect where you want to have them involved um, as a vendor, as a solution provider. I am uh, saying that I am, I am assuming in the institution where this is going to be implemented, uh, I am assuming they are involved because if they're not, that's um, I wouldn't say that's a good decision. So super important. And in digital pathology, we are still at the stage where it can, they can be involved. We are still at the early stage uh, where the relationship between vendors and pathologists is pretty close. It's not like a single user of a massive enterprise software. It's usually startups that want to get um, pathologist feedback, that want to get users feedback feedback from the lab personnel, feedback from everybody at every point of this workflow. And embracing that on both ends, vendor end and pathologist and lab personnel end, um, I think we are already there. We are a lot farther than we were two years ago. It's natural now or more natural to reach out to vendors and ask for new features, um, do proof of concepts, adjust software. And then I've seen um, companies provide software for the diagnostic workflow, but then after uh, iterations, after proof of concept with research pathologists, make a different version for a research workflow. So, yeah, very important still and will be. <laughs> Yeah, I think like 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 you were just saying, a lot of these vendors like they're looking for this feedback. It, they're they're almost asking for it now, which I think is different than before. So it's definitely even more important for pathologists to to get involved because they they want they want their uh, their opinions. And I think there is competition, but there is also more collaboration. 
Sure. And because of the necessity mm-hmm. to have interoperable systems in the lab. And because of that, the vendors have to work together because of the client requirements to have compatible systems, which is fantastic. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the interoperability is very important, which kind of at the beginning of the whole digital pathology thing that we really didn't have. Mm -mm. No. Yeah. Now, so along these lines then, because you're talking about kind of connecting with people in computer science and that kind of thing. I mean, you had an online event this past November that was all about that. It was bridging the gap between pathology and computer science. Is that how that kind of came about? Yes. So this was actually a consequence of my blogs and platform mission. This, this, the bridging the gap between computer science and pathology. This is where I come from, from my first job after my residency, where I uh, was the pathologist for an image analysis company. I was the first one full time. And my sole task was to work with computer scientists and help them do better image analysis solutions to quantify uh, tissue, quantify biomarkers in the tissue. And during that time, I realized a lot of my own gaps uh, that I had to learn to be able to communicate well with them. But I also realized where are the gaps that have to be filled? And there are specific things that um, an image analysis scientist needs to learn about tissue to be able to do high quality tissue image analysis. Um, and at the time when I was working at this company, I developed a training program and then I switched companies, but um, the demand was still there and more and more people, more and more computer scientists were starting in the digital pathology field. Computer scientists with zero pathology background, like brilliant computer vision scientists. And this talent is so much needed to do AI powered image analysis, uh, but for the necessary quality, they need the background, the pathology background, a specific like set of pathology information, not the whole pathology book, not the whole, you know, residency condensed, but very specific image analysis, specific information that will help them navigate the tissue in the right way and apply their super powerful computer vision expertise to the image of the tissue. But the bridging the gap between pathology and computer science was actually uh, the other side of it. The stuff that I had to learn on my own from computer scientists. So in that event, I invited, and I'm going to tell you how this even came to be, but I invited uh, the leading computational pathology group scientists from Radboud University uh, in the Netherlands, led by three scientists, Jeroen van der Laak, Geert Lietjens, and Francesco Ciompi. And they agreed to just show up to my event and give lectures on the computational side of computational pathology. And this actually was a result of a sabbatical that I did in the company that I work for in at Charles River Laboratories. I was allowed to go for a month for a sabbatical and learn from this computational pathology group. So 
I was looking for a way to benefit everyone, to benefit uh, me and my audience, to deliver this content to them, to uh, benefit Charles River, who sent me and sponsored basically this time for me to go and learn. So I wanted to bring this to everyone and promote the work of this computational pathology group. So what we did, we recorded everything. We had around 800 or 900 people registered for this event. So definitely a lot of uh, interest in that. And what we did, we recorded everything and we published it as uh, we published it under Creative Commons Attribution License. So all those recordings and they are available in multiple places. But basically what it means that they are under this license Anybody can take them, download them, use them, do whatever they want with them, as long as they say who created it in the first place. The license is called, uh, the the abbreviation for this license is CC BY. um, And yeah, you can just take it. They're on YouTube. You can click on the YouTube license information. It should be Creative Commons Attribution License. There are also... I have them prepared as a course. It's a free course. It's going to be free forever for everyone all the time. This is the deal that we had with the the computer scientists. And this is also in line with the open source initiatives in the computational pathology space that I promote. So that's what it was. It was a sabbatical, my sabbatical. I think, I mean, I've never taken a sabbatical, but I feel like that's supposed to be a time you you kind of need to rest or something. And it certainly doesn't, doesn't seem like you did that. That sounds like a lot of work. So there, I had the option to do either professional development or volunteering. So I chose the professional development, but then like I had to do mm. some volunteering involved in that. And this was my way to give back to the digital pathology community and to everyone who made this possible. I mean, it wouldn't be possible without Charles River sending me to the sabbatical. It wouldn't be possible if the scientists from Radboud wouldn't be uh, open enough to do it with me. Um, so that was a, that was a nice, nice event. I hope we can, we can repeat it. I have to mm-hmm. reach out to them again and see. Yeah, that's that sounds amazing, and a big turnout too. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Dr. Alexandra Zurov. We'll be right back. Labvine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn, develop, and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience. The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory-specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists like us for the laboratory industry. Labvine is free to sign up, and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. Okay, whether you're working hard at the grossing bench, the autopsy table, behind a microscope, or any other area of the medical laboratory, there is one thing that we all need. Comfortable scrubs. The scrubs that I wear come from Dressamed. This is a company in California, and they've been making high-quality scrubs since 1980. They have a variety of styles and colors to choose from. As a matter of fact, I just bought a set of the new soft stretch scrubs, and I got to tell you, they are so comfortable. I might even be wearing them right now. You can check out Dressamed by following the link in the show notes. Oh yeah, and while you're there, make sure you sign up for their loyalty program, where every order will earn you points towards special offers and discounts. Now for the rest of my conversation with Dr. Alexandra Zhurov on the People of Pathology podcast. 
All right, so let's get into then the, the new course that you just released. So this is Pathology 101 for Tissue Image Analysis. D- tell me about this. How did how did this course develop? Yeah, so this course, uh, I just <laughs> ended up telling you about like what are the two sides of computational pathology. The pathology sides that the computer scientists are missing and the computational co- computer vision sides that pathologists are missing. So this course uh, is for those without pathology background. I um, was thinking about calling it pathology one-on-one for non-pathologists at the beginning, but then I decided to um, narrow it down. But I might be broadening it again because so obviously it was very targeted towards computer scientists and towards uh, image analysis scientists, the group I was working in originally at uh, my first job. So I developed a well-working way of collaborating with them and I knew what they needed from the pathology side um, to do quality image analysis. And this is what's uh, incorporated in this course from the very beginning of um, pathology workflow to how to translate computer vision concepts into pathology scoring and ending with a bonus uh, module where to find all the other pathology information that I did not include in this course. So this is uh, supposed to be the tool. If you use it at the beginning of your computational pathology career, you're going to very much accelerate your pathology learning curve. These are things that you will learn on the job, but it's going to take you like a year, two years maybe. I don't know. And this is condensed into an eight-module course that is now available as an online course. So this is interesting. It kind of teaches computer scientists, I guess, like the language of pathology, really, because learning all the terms and things like that, is that kind of where it, where it starts? Yes. It's one of the modules. It's actually called Pathology Glossary mm-hmm. uh, that has listed everything yeah. that you need to know all the words and their definitions and the explanation in the layman language how to talk to a pathologist it's funny because if you have also beginning pathologists entering the computational pathology space so it's the same you the, the pathologist needs to speak the computer vision language to be able to communicate but the computer vision scientist needs to speak the pathology language as well before they develop a working language together so that's um what i'm providing in this course one of the modules and um, i mentioned that actually i might go broader and call it pathology 101 for non-pathologists because i realized that um on the digital pathology vendor side this is a fantastic resource for people who are starting work there, even if they are not doing image analysis. A fantastic resource for product owners, for project managers, and also for salespeople. You have brilliant talent coming into those startups without the necessary pathology background. And until they learn this language, that's just the reality. They're not going to be trusted by pathologists. It takes a lot of work to gain pathologists' trust. And the way to gain the trust is to show it in the language, because then they hear it and they know you know what you're talking about. And once you gain the trust, you can use your talent 
for whatever your task to do at uh, your company, be it sell the right solution to the right person, um, develop the product in a, the most efficient way, manage the project, right? So it's, it's all this communication piece. Communication, background knowledge that you need to have to thrive in the digital pathology space if you're not a pathologist. For the pathologists, I would recommend the recordings of the Bridging the Gap event because there they will learn the computer vision language. Okay, I was going to ask you that if, if there's things that it, that the pathologist can learn from this Pathology 101 course, but it sounds like not really. Or is it, can they learn at least something about the uh, com- computer science aspect of it also? They can. Okay. They can, but... It's not for pathologists. Let's let's put it out there. Okay. Not really for pathologists. Although, I might take it back because I actually had a pathologist do it and they were really a pathology resident to it. So, they already knew all about the tissue staining and all these things. And still, they benefited enormously from the course. So, I think it's... It would. Everybody would need to see what the modules are, and uh, we can link to this course in the description later. Uh, but go in, yep. check the modules, and see if it's for you. I created it as a pathologist, giving pathology knowledge for non-pathologists working in the computational and digital pathology space. So part of this knowledge is every pathologist uh, will already have. The way it's packaged, the way uh, it references to the computational pathology space, this is not always going to be familiar for a pathologist without a digital pathology background. So definitely useful, but on a, I would say, on a pathologist to pathologist basis. But for everybody who's not a pathologist, I, if I could, I would make it a mandate, mandatory curriculum. I'm obviously biased because I created this course, uh, but I know this is the knowledge people um, people need, and it's possible to get it out there online. It just takes longer, and it's not that targeted. So that's why I think the course is super beneficial. Yeah, it sounds like it, it would help uh, make things more efficient or kind of streamline the process because, you know, they'd already know about pathology and just be able to, it, it, like it would, they could translate it better to pathologists, it, it, what they're trying to do, and they'd have a better understanding of pathology from the beginning instead of learning that, like you said, kind of on the job. So I, I like this a lot. Because you've been working in the digital pathology space for so long and you've seen things advance, although I guess kind of slowly, but what do you think is going to come next? What like what do you think will be the next big thing in the world of digital pathology? There is one trend that I'm super excited about. That it's integration of different digital pathology aspects. So let me explain. Um, we currently have the scanners for scanning. Then we have, th- then they are scanned, then they are being viewed by the viewer and managed by an image management system. Um, that probably will stay. But then there is the image analysis piece. 
And image analysis can be to gain further insights, for example, in biomarker or to uh, be uh, a tool for computer-aided diagnosis, like the recent tool approved, uh, cleared by the FDA, uh, that PageAI um developed for prostate cancer. This is a computer-aided diagnosis for pathologists um, or different things, right? But it's it has been... Another thing that can be done with image analysis is the quality control of slides, which is currently done manually by mostly by histotechnicians. Now what is happening, there are initiatives going on combining hardware and software and merging the image analysis components into the hardware devices that are generating digital slides. So this has the potential to make this so much more efficient. So one of the big pushbacks when people are thinking about investing in digital pathology is like, now I need overhead for quality control of slides? Like, what do you mean? It was supposed to be faster, like from the get-go. And why is it not? I have to hire people? So now there is pretty, there are several companies, several people working on this uh, and many proof concepts going on to integrate software solutions into digitization hardware scanners or scanning units or, you know, everything that's digitizing slides uh, to eliminate the overhead, the digital pathology, the current digital pathology specific overhead. And uh, what I mean at the moment is the QC time that is pretty high. It can be like many, many hours to do that. Um, So I'm excited about that. It looks like it's going to be going the smartphone way or the iPhone way where you have this one device that can help you with so many things. And um, I'm excited about that. I, I like that. It, yeah, that's going to save a lot of time and probably a lot of money as well, which would be another kind of selling point mm-hmm. for, for going digital. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And that is exciting. What do you think about like these new, uh, the, um, the AI aspect of digital pathology, do you think that's going to continue to advance and be more kind of prominent in the field? Yes, yes, definitely. It's not going away. <laughs> uh, the The only question is, okay, where yeah. do we apply it and how do we apply it? And how do we control the quality of this? It's not going, like, it's not going away anywhere. It's not a digital pathology specific thing, right? And now... What we're doing, where it, it polarizes people, it causes strong emotions. In pathology, it's mostly applied to image analysis, but I'm seeing this being applied to reporting as well. So, um, also, so for image analysis, that would be uh, computer vision models. For reporting, that would be language models. It's out there. It's not going away. And our way is to learn how to leverage this to scale up quality work and the emphasis is on quality work and the discussion is okay are we gonna then not learn so much or the new pathologists are not going to be seeing all the things that the previous pathologists were seeing probably 
probably it's going to be probably similar to the situation in uh, using Google Maps for driving. Like, I don't know when was the last time I had to take out a, a map, like a physical map. Maybe in 2008 right. when I was still in vet school and I had to go for some internship place. I remember taking out the the map and actually trying to figure out which way to turn. Now you have Google Maps, right? Um, does this contribute to me not being that fluent in reading a map? Of course. Do I want this map back? No, thank you. I'd rather I'd rather focus no. my energy on something else. But mm-hmm. obviously, if there is a mistake on the Google Maps showing me something that I don't see in reality, I course correct on my own. And I know this is very this is not that related, but I think the process, our world, our pathology world is a lot more nuanced and, uh, you know, is more niche, is more specific. uh, And in the, in the era of personalized medicine, even like more specific, but still the high level trend is what I'm seeing with smartphones and with Google Maps and with our tools that make your life easier, more efficient. Um, what does this make to life? Makes space for other stuff to come in. Did we become any less busy because we now don't have to spend so much time on reading the map? Let's just keep this analogy. No, other stuff came in and, you know, our plate is as full or even fuller than it was before. Um, but we have tools to make this low return tasks more efficient. So that's how I see it. And I'm very big on quality control and very big of on supervision of the outputs. So this is our responsibility. This is the responsibility of scientific community. And, um, but I think it's not responsible to not use it because the neuro you're denying a super powerful leverage to advance pathology and to advance patient care. Okay. I like it. Yeah. And that's the ultimate goal there, the advanced patient care. Mm-hmm. That's something to always keep in mind, of course. What? So what about for you? Because you, it seems like you're always really busy. What's What's next on your plate? My next thing is ebook, a book, a digital pathology beginner's yes. guide. So I've already invited uh, people on social media to uh, sign up for the waiting list. The time of publishing this book. So this is going to be a self-published book that is going to be available on Amazon and obviously on my website, digitalpathologyplace.com. It's still in the making. Optimistically, a month, realistically, maybe two months, but several chapters are already written based on my own expertise, based on the expertise of uh, all the guests that I interviewed for my podcast on everything that's available in the digital form on the Digital Pathology Place website. There is going to be an ebook. Uh, so I would love to invite anyone who wants to go on the waiting list. Why did I do a waiting list? Because uh, I'm going to be publishing it on Amazon and uh, it's going to it's not going to be free of charge. But for those who are on the waiting list, I am able to give them this ebook for free when the moment it's out. So that's my next thing. 
Okay, I like it, and I yeah, I I, I signed up for the the wait waiting list also. So we're gonna we're gonna link to all of your stuff in the in the show notes for this episode, which is a, a lot. Uh, it, before we wrap up, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I haven't asked you? I think I told you even more than you asked. It's so fun to be the <laughs> guest. <laughs> Instead of being the interviewer, yeah. I always like have to br- have to stop myself from saying too much when I have fantastic guests to give them space to speak. So thank you so much for giving me space sure. to talk as well. It's fun. Yeah, th- yeah. This was this was fun to have you back on the show. Uh, I doc- so, Doctor Alexander Zurov, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. If you're looking for another episode of the People of Pathology podcast to check out after this one, here's a clip from the first time Doctor Zurov was on the podcast where we talk about how to prepare for the increasing role of AI and machine learning in pathology. It seems like uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, you know, the, the role it just seems like it's going to expand in, in the future and probably the near future at that. And I'd like to know how do we, how do we prepare for this? Like, I mean, pathologists, of course, but also, you know, n- non-pathologists like me, how do we prepare for this change? Mm-hmm. Well, the best preparation will be to educate ourselves. If we educate ourselves, we will be able to engage in the development. And you mentioned this with other products, with the lab information systems, where you see that they are not really being done with the involvement of the end user. So to prepare for AI and to actually make AI better for us later, we should get involved. And to get involved, we need to have a certain level of knowledge so that we can provide value. We already talked about it in the context of the course. But basically, to educate ourselves and educate ourselves in the process. And also, like I mentioned about image analysis, about reviewing the quality of what those AI applications or AI solutions provide. And I'm mostly talking in the context of image analysis, but this applies to any tool. You can hear the rest of my conversation with Dr. Alexander Zhirov in episode 53. All right, great big thanks to Dr. Alexander Zhirov. It's always fun talking with her, and I really enjoyed having her back on the podcast once again. She is one of those people that always seems to be doing so many things, and I wonder really where does she find the time to finish it all. But I love her work. There's a lot of great information on her website, Digital Pathology Place, also in her podcast, the Digital Pathology Podcast. And we mentioned a lot of the other resources that she has there. I'll have all of these things linked in the show notes. So go and check that out. And hey, if you're listening to this on release day, April 23rd, this week is Medical Laboratory Professionals Week in the U.S. So a happy lab week to everyone out there. This podcast is here to raise awareness about the important work that you're all doing. And don't forget, you can follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at People of Path or just connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. Together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. You can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network. And while you're there, check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Dennis Strank, and I'll talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.